0: Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravell, and this is ValueSide for Friday, October 6. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit ValueSide.com. Well, today, smash and grab and the war on assets. Well, he who dies with the most toys wins, or so goes the old joke. It's a satirical jab at Americans' drive to acquire more and more things but it's also a commitment on how important some things, called assets, are to our way of life. An asset is anything that can produce cash flow, reduce expenses, or provide appreciation over time. Your car is an asset, although an asset that declines in value as it gets older. Your house is an asset, as are all of your investments. Now, we may laugh at that old joke, but underlying our drive to acquire assets is a fundamental mechanism that makes this society work. It is that self-same accumulation of assets, which we call investing, that provides an education for our children, basic living expenses, our retirement, and all the other necessities of life. And it's no accident that the principal tool in this country's prosperity began, began just 16 years after its founding. In 1792, a group of brokers assembled under a buttonwood tree to establish the first stock exchange in New York. Stocks are intangible asset certificates representing an ownership interest in a company or other business entity. Suddenly now, ownership was not limited to the very wealthy. Anyone can invest in shares and the foundation of a prosperous middle-class was born in this country. For the first time in our nation's history, that foundational value of ownership is under serious threat. It's not a new threat. It's been around at least since the 1960s when Marxism became a famous cause celeb on campuses nationwide. I remember fellow students bringing out their copy of Mao's Little Red Book to inform us of the relative merits of common ownership. No friend of the private ownership of assets, the former Chinese dictator Mao Zedong brought his nation as close to pure communism as has ever been achieved. However, until recently, most of these discussions on asset ownership took place in the college lecture hall. Today, an existential threat to fundamental asset ownership Is emerging on our streets. Like any massive social movement, this one began in reaction to a single event, a trigger that set in motion a response among many people. It ignited a move that had been simmering for years, and that event was the May 26, 2020 death of George Floyd. Now, the political cross-currents surrounding this tragedy are numerous, and you're undoubtedly familiar with many of them. Was his death a result of racism? Of police brutality? Of an overly violent country? The national debate over George Floyd's death continues until today. However, there was one way in which this tragedy differed from all the others. In the Floyd protests, people took to the streets. Now there's nothing new about that. Americans have been doing that for a couple of hundred years. But this time, the sheer scope of the protests was staggering. Every state in the country experienced protest. The country's 200 largest cities all had demonstrations, and in all, 64,000 National Guardsmen were mobilized to control the crowds. 64 countries sent notices of support to the demonstrators. And as we say, altogether, 26 million Americans took to the street. Remarkably, only about two dozen people died during all these protests, far below the number of deaths in past. In the Detroit protests of 1967, 43 people had died. In the 1992 Rodney King riots in Los Angeles, 63 people died, and in the largest riots in our history, in Manhattan, in the 19th century, 190 people died. Now, these past riots involved just a few thousand people in a single city. The George Floyd protests, remember, encompassed the entire country, and as we said, 26 million participants. Now, there was a concerted effort by both the participants and the police to keep the protests peaceful. It may be most accurate to say that both the police and participants decided to avoid physical violence. It was the police, especially, who were on the edge. George Floyd's death was why many cities chose to defund their police, and shortly after the protests ended, Many big city police departments, including New York and San Francisco, actually cut police budgets. While there was little person-on-person violence, that's not to say these protests were entirely peaceful. Property violence went exponential. It is estimated that an incredible $2 billion in property was destroyed. Far and away, it is the most significant property destruction we've ever seen in a social protest. It was 77 times more destructive than the next highest protest for Rodney King in 1992. It was property, asset destruction of all kinds. Cars were crashed, statutes and monuments torn down, and stores, shops, and malls ransacked. It was as if we released a particular demon that celebrates destruction. And I'm sure you've noticed that nightmare has continued in its destruction. We've all seen those YouTube videos of rioters breaking into San Francisco's Rite Egg stores, into Los Angeles Nordstrom's, or Philadelphia's Apple iPhone store. Smash and grabs are happening all over the country at an alarming rate. There is not a major city in this nation that this property destruction has not touched. Now, this wholesale looting is soon to be felt at all levels of our society. In a particularly ironic recent selfie video, a woman shouts, everybody has to eat, as her friends, quote-unquote, absolutely demolish the grocery store behind her. So great is the asset destruction that some sections of our major cities are becoming ghost towns. Market Street on the Soma section of San Francisco has only a few stores remaining, and those are likely to leave in the next few months. All liquor and beauty supply stores have recently closed in Philadelphia because of smash and grab. Now, it's no exaggeration to call all of this a war, Entire commercial neighborhoods are being wiped out of existence as if they were bombed. One commercial real estate broker in San Francisco said that it may take 40 years to recover from this retail destruction. Finally, it may well be that many who participate in these riots feel that they aren't hurting anyone. After all, it's just a store. What they fail to recognize is it's much more than that. It's an asset, something that some of us have invested our life savings in, hoping that it might return our investment in the future. Unfortunately, in many of our downtowns, there will be no return for those assets that were the target of smash and grab. It's a plague, and it's spreading. And unless we find a way to halt it, It will affect us all, even the stock market. And that's the ValueSide for Friday, October 6th. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Revell. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.